Hey friends, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dozinski, and this is a community for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Happy Labor Day, guys. I hope you're doing something fun today, or relaxing, or catching up on something you needed to do. I'm actually recording this episode before Labor Day weekend, but I'll be sure to tell you about it at some point in the future because Evan and I are getting away to our favorite cabin this weekend with no phones for three days. I know. Can you even imagine? I was thinking about the last time I went somewhere without my phone attached to my hip, and I'm pretty sure it was a trip I took to Florida after high school, like once Evan and I graduated, because guess what? The iPhone hadn't even come out yet. And actually, I know I'm totally showing my grandma status right now, but I've only had a smartphone for three years. I'm like, if you've ever seen Simon Sinek's TED Talk, Start With Why, I'm the 2.5% on the right side of the bell curve that resists technology until I can't anymore. I mean, that's changed somewhat, but anyway, what I'm trying to say is, even in just three years, I am feeling the effects of 24-7 access to everything. So I thought three days without it would be a fun experiment. So we'll see, right? I'll let you know how that goes in a future episode. Anyway, this week we are returning to our conversation around conflict. I know I said we'd spend the month of August on conflict, but I kind of have more to say about different aspects of it than one month can cover. So here we are in September, continuing our conversation around conflict. Now, I do want you to know that this will be the last episode on conflict where we're doing the inner work that needs to be done. So dropping our defenses, understanding our triggers, and calming ourselves before we engage in conflict conversations. The next few episodes on conflict will be centered more around our interactions in conflict and how to do something different. So just a quick recap of the past month. First, we talked about calming ourselves when we get flooded, because as we've learned, nothing productive comes from our conversations when we're operating out of fight or flight mode. Then we talked about recognizing and dropping the defenses we engage in when we're emotionally flooded or negatively triggered. And today, our goal is to understand the triggers that lead to positive or negative reactions in the first place. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a short quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive an immediate score, plus a description of your score will be sent straight to your inbox, followed by one action step and prayer for your marriage, as well as next steps to take. So to get in on that free resource, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. So triggers. Triggers are internal or external cues that remind us of something from our past or past experiences. And they can be good or bad. So a good trigger would be something like your spouse wearing a perfume or cologne that they used to wear, which reminds you of your dating days. A bad trigger, on the other hand, would be something like a particular phrase that led to an argument in the past 
So when said again in a different context sets you off. And we're going to talk about both negative and positive triggers today because becoming aware of these triggers can have a tremendous impact on the way we communicate. So I want to talk about triggers as it pertains to two different aspects of our lives, our families of origin and our married relationships. Let's start with triggers that elicit a negative reaction, which stem from our family of origin. For better or worse, 100% of us are affected and influenced by the families we grew up in. And I'll give you two examples for this one. The first is kind of an extreme one, but unfortunately a common one. And this is more to illustrate how triggers work. So adult children of alcoholics will sometimes have a heightened sensitivity to their partner drinking even if their partner only drinks occasionally or recreationally. And so the spouse who drinks responsibly doesn't understand what the big deal is to their spouse. And that's because they don't have an understanding of how amazing and complex our brains are. So our brains are naturally wired for survival. And anything that feels like a threat to that triggers the alarm system in our brain. So what happens is basically classical conditioning. So the child sees their parent with beer in hand or smells alcohol on their breath and quickly learns that the consequence of that is not good for anyone involved. So the child's brain rings the alarm bell in the part called the amygdala, leading to a fight, flight, or freeze response in an effort to protect themselves. Well, it doesn't take long for the child to pair alcohol itself with danger, which triggers then a fight, flight, or freeze reaction as an adult. Once both spouses understand what's happening, it makes total sense and becomes that much easier for the spouse who doesn't have a drinking problem to develop more compassion for their spouse. I'll give you another example. All of us grow up with spoken and unspoken rules and expectations that govern how our family of origin operates. For example, let's say that growing up, the unspoken rule in your family was we don't talk about our problems. You may have tried to address something growing up only to be shot down or dismissed. So inadvertently, you learned this family doesn't talk about problems. We keep them to ourselves or brush them under the rug. Okay. So then you grow up and get married, and immediately your spouse starts at you with expressing his or her problems like he or she is ready to lay everything out on the table. Talk about a trigger, right? If you've learned that problems and conflict are to be concealed and that nothing good comes from trying to talk about things, you're going to be triggered and either shut down, leave the room, or get super defensive. So all of us have these triggers. And those of us who are aware of them learn how to respond in situations rather than react. Awareness of our triggers is what makes the difference between blaming our spouse for our reactions and impulses and actually taking responsibility for what we do in the relationship. So even as we talk about triggers that originate in our families of origin, we're not talking about blaming our parents for why we are the way we are. That's not the goal. The goal for understanding our triggers is to be able to say to ourselves when we automatically react, huh, no wonder. That totally makes sense in the context of my family growing up. So that we can learn to do something different as adults, like self-soothe or calm ourselves or 
behave differently as soon as we realize we're triggered. And this can also help us to develop more compassion for our spouse as we better understand the way that they've been affected by the rules and expectations in their families of origin. And this feeds right into the second type of trigger, which happens in our married relationships. So we adjust to the rules and expectations of our families of origin, the people we've known the most intimately up until the time we get married. And then when we get married, these rules and expectations rub up against our partner's rules and expectations. But 99.9% of us are not aware that this is happening. So rather than being able to say, hey babe, whoa, I was triggered when you said or did that certain thing because I learned growing up that that results in negative consequences, we instead just perpetuate and reinforce unhealthy relational patterns, and then both of us become triggered in the process. I'll give you a funny example of this one from mine and Evan's relationship. When we were engaged, we were having a conversation about something that was bothering both of us, and I was becoming quite passionate about whatever the point it was that I was trying to get across. And Evan says, stop yelling at me, which in turn triggered me. And then I actually yelled, I'm not yelling at you, right? That's real life. So what started as triggers from our own past became complementary triggers in our marriage, which is how it happens so often. And so from that point on, if he said the word stop yelling at me, I became automatically triggered and defensive. And just so you know, this is the very process whereby couples learn to go from zero to 60 in a split second. Because the more and more times our nervous systems get activated in the same ways by the same words or phrases, or even by the same looks or body language from our spouse, the more quickly our reactions to each other occur in this what becomes a habitual interactional pattern. And so... By understanding our triggers and understanding our spouse's triggers, that's the very thing I'm trying to help you prevent from happening in your marriage. Thankfully, Evan only said that to me one or two more times, and I learned to engage him in a different way early on because, as I told you in episode one, we attended a workshop together four months into our marriage that I'm 100% convinced saved us from saying so many hurtful things and from damaging our relationship. Because listen, guys, once those habits and patterns are formed, it's way harder to rewire our brains in subsequent interactions with each other. It's definitely not impossible, but it's harder. It takes more work. I promise you. Because I sit with those couples who are doing the hard and courageous work in therapy. But for those of you listening, what I'm asking you to do is be brave now, to do the work now, when working on your relationship still means strengthening it, not salvaging it. And just so you know, I am planning to hold a communication workshop in the upcoming months. So if you are interested in that, just be sure you are signed up to my email newsletter, which you can do through any of the previous free PDFs on different episodes, and there will be a new free PDF next week. Or be sure you've taken the relationship quiz on my website, so that you can be informed about when that workshop comes up. Okay, let's talk about triggers that elicit a positive response. So I want you to stop and think about what are the things that trigger feelings of love and wanting to be close to my spouse? 
Maybe it's a certain look, a certain touch, like holding your hand or giving you a hug or putting a hand on your knee. Maybe it's looking each other in the eye and saying I love you. These positive triggers cause our bodies to release good-feeling hormones such as oxytocin or you may have heard it called the cuddle hormone. It's one that's often talked about in the mental health field. And with repetition, when done in ways that we interpret as safe and secure, we soon associate these words or behaviors with feelings of comfort and love. Now, I want you to think back to the last conflict you can remember. Did you engage in any of these positive words or behaviors? Maybe not, right? And that makes sense based on what we've already talked about, because the triggers that elicit negative responses and the triggers that elicit positive responses are activating different parts of the brain. But the amazing thing is, we can learn how to hack our brains and program it in some ways, in ways that serve us better, and in ways that allow us to be the individuals we desire to be in relationship. Isn't that cool? I mean, you guys, God created us to be resilient. If he didn't, my job wouldn't exist. Mental health wouldn't be a thing. And I believe that the resilience we see in ourselves and in others is the power of God working in and through us in ways we don't fully understand. 2 Corinthians 4.8, it says we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. How is that possible? Well, Romans 12.2 says it's possible by not conforming to the ways of the world by not settling, but instead believing that change is possible and being active participants in that. How? By the renewing of our minds. Our minds, guys. Because we're holistic beings and everything is interconnected, that means doing something different than we have been. Okay, so back to positive triggers. This is going to be part of your homework this week. So here are your action steps. First, identify the moments when you seemingly react out of nowhere and ask yourself, what did that moment, that word or phrase or look or response remind me of? What vulnerable feelings did it invoke in me? Second, I want you to identify your positive triggers. So the words or actions that lead you to feel close And ask your spouse if the next time you all have a serious discussion, if you can hold hands or lay down together or fight naked or whatever it is that's different from what you're currently doing. So often we get in the habit of doing more of the same, but in order to rewire our brains, we have got to learn to do something different and to engage in those positive triggers on purpose. And just tell them, you know, I really want to do something different and learn to be less reactive in conflict. And I'd like to just try this to see if anything changes between us. And if they're not already listening, just refer them back to this episode and it will make a lot more sense to them. All right. I will be back next week to talk more in depth about how to have a do-over. My prayer for our marriages this week is that above all else, we would put on love that binds our minds and bodies and hearts together in perfect unity so that we can learn to engage each other differently and in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile 